0: The following audio is from the King's Chapel in Clifton, Virginia. For more information about our church or to listen to more sermons from this series, you can visit us online at thekingschapel.org. Good morning, dear loved ones. This morning, uh, we'll be continuing our one another series, as you can see up by the board. And we're basically tying into last week's sermon uh, that Mark talked about. And Mark mentioned something, and if you haven't had a chance to see that series, uh, that that preaching preaching, uh, sermon last week, I highly recommend that you go back to it, because it'll help you. But one of the big things he talked about was, they will know your Christians by your love for one another. They'll know you're Christians by your love for one another. Isn't that kind of amazing to to think about that? That that signature, that witness is how people will know about the love and inspiration of Christ. Well, I'm a little bit doubly excited this week. I'll try not to be too hyper. Uh, but one, uh, our oldest son, Joshua, is back from his first deployment. Uh, he, went, he was overseas in Romania with the, uh, with the Army, uh, part of the Combat Avi- Aviation Brigade, as, a, uh, as a, a part of the air debt that helped flight operations. And secondly, as you saw above, that we get to host the Super Bowl party tonight. So I'm so excited about the youth group coming over. And what a joy to have uh, have the, the the children and well youth. I wouldn't call them children, but the youth in our house, and just um, bringing others. What I what I appreciate um, and hopefully reinforce with Brendan is that sometimes a home is a safe place, a bridge for people to see. Hey, these Christians on is kind of crazy. Heard about, and then uh, it bridges them to get them into the youth, into the church. Uh, let's let's pray, please, Heavenly Father. We need you. We need each other and we need you, dear Lord. I pray, dear Lord, that as there's so many reasons that we can get isolated and so many differences that we can focus upon, that we know that we've been able to be redeemed, to be transformed, to be conformed to the image of your Son. And I pray today that we would also be encouraged in the precious word, and in your spirit, it is in your precious Son's name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You know, COVID has, I believe, and tell me who wouldn't agree, it, it has accentuated our differences, and it has truly increased our isolation. And one of the challenges with that is that when we, isolation and inward focus will have devastating consequences, not only on us but those around us. Now, what if I told you a story about someone who was in a combat zone at a combat outpost and just decided, I've I've had enough, I'm just gonna go for a walk. And I know that sounds ludicrous, but unfortunately it actually happened in, in 2009. And I wanna bridge about some of the circumstances for us to be aware. One, that individual, was actually determined by the Coast Guard when he was uh, at basic training. After 26 days, hey, he's psychologically unfit. So there were some underlying challenges. Additionally, before he went into service, um, he he went and he he really dug into uh, Buddhism. So that further, he went with that inward focus. So when he got around his fellow soldiers, he really, he felt isolated, and that hyper inward focus made him very judgmental about those around him, those actually who were there, that he was there to protect, and they were there to protect. Well, the sad part is this individual said, I'm I'm just done, I'm not gonna do this, and walked off and got captured and tortured. And not only did he hurt himself, unfortunately, other those in his unit, six other individuals, because we're gonna go after those on the outside, those in danger. Six individuals were in conjunction with his rescue. It's called the uh, Dust One. Duty, whereabouts, status unknown. And they went after him. Additionally, there's another cop, Keating, that when all those resources that were surged, potentially that kept the evacuation of that base. And another another eight soldiers got injured from there. The reason I bring that up is because the reality is, is that we are in a battle every day. Ephesians 6 reminds us that we don't battle against this flesh and blood, but against principalities, against, uh, against forces there. And that battle every day, you know, sometimes it's emotional, sometimes it's the will. I had a really good discussion this morning with some of the men talking about the will. Sometimes it's the flesh, and often it's the spirit. Jesus told us directly prior to his crucifixion, he said, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. But in this world, you're going to have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, I firmly know that we were created for relationships. And Jesus Christ foot stomped this so hard in John 17, right before he was about to go to his capture and crucifixion, and torture, and ultimate resurrection. He said in John 17, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one as you the Father are in me, and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave in me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and love them as you have loved me. Here's the big idea. We were created for community. If you read from John 17, it is through our oneness and our encouragement and our challenging of one another that is our greatest witness for Christ. And here's another fact, we need each other. Hebrews 10, the author goes on and says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, now how do we encourage one another? And, and just, I'm going to bring up two, two uh, posits. And one of them is, I'm going to tell you a story about a guy named Joseph the Levite. Now, you may not have ever heard of Joseph the Levite, but I would ask, how many of y'all have ever heard of a guy named in the Bible named Barnabas? Anyone? Raise your hand. Barnabas. Now, Barnabas is called the son of encouragement. And he was just, he was this vivacious person that we're going to skim across. But the one thing that I want to bring up is that not everybody here is an extrovert. And what I pray from this story that, you know, one, we can, you'll learn how to we all will learn how to tap into our inner, inner Barnabas without tapping out. And I'll tell you that because sometimes it's an effort for those to be around other people. It's hard. And I pray, and I'm so thankful that, you know, we can look to the scriptures and see there's a reason and purpose and that ultimately it is not the focus on self but on others. The second part that I prayed about is how do We encourage and admonish means, I'm going to use the word, correct, help, exhort. How do we focus when, when, frankly, when we're off? And I look back at what Jesus did when he was talking to the woman at the well. He said, God is spirit. And those and we who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit is the amazing thing. Because when we walk in the Spirit, we will not just think of ourselves, but we'll almost automatically, as we look to the Father, as we walk in the Holy Spirit, that we'll automatically start to look to others in love. We start to prefer one another and care for one another and bear one another's burdens. And the second part of that, as we worship Him in Spirit, as we love one another, is Truth. There's this crazy wrongness, and maybe you've heard it, where someone will say, well, I know that's a Christian truth, but is, is it a real truth? Or, hey, this is the truth, this is a Christian truth, this is a the world. There is no Christian truth or world truth. There's only truth. Think of Pontius Pilate when he's looking at Jesus, and he asks this ruler, this all-powerful individual over life and death looks at our savior and says what is truth and from there we see the son of god remind him that i am the way and the truth and life no one comes to the father but through me, we're going to dive into that a little bit more deeply. As before, we jump in. I'd like to um, ask one who remembers, who knows the four Bs. Who remembers the four Bs from any, any any hands? Now, more importantly, thank you, John. More importantly, who's been practicing the four Bs? But I bring up the four Bs before we jump in on Barnabas because. The four B's help me every day because it reminds me, one, be in prayer. And, you know, being in prayer gets my eyes kind of off myself and my circumstances upward and help me, helps me focus a little bit on God and not these temporary challenges. The second part, being in the Word, being in the Word helps me, saves me from myself a lot because it gives me that solid footing instead of the feelings that can become overwhelming. And that solid footing keeps me slipping from hopefully nobody was slipping on the ice this morning. And then be in being fellowship. You know, I'll tell you, our adversary likes to isolate. It's how, I, it's how wolves will get the, the sheep, the calf, the prey away from others to then gang up, and destroy, and that being in fellowship is so critical. That last part is be accountable to your corner man and corner woman, and I'll tell you, it is so life-giving to have someone that you can share your troubles with. It's not a judgment. It's a lift upment, and uh, I'm really, i thankful for a lot of the cornermen as I look around this room. Now, Barnabas he examples how we can. Remember, we're going to try to tap into our inner Barnabas without tapping out. How we can, and I'll use this, see others transformationally. Now, the greatest miracle is not necessarily if someone came in and, and <laughs> saved of cancer. Because guess what? You're, you come in and I know that we've had this. But guess what? If I'm saved of that cancer and then I live another 20 years, And then I spend eternity separated from my loving Heavenly Father. See, the greatest miracle is that we can be reunited with a perfect Heavenly Father who loves us so much that He sent His Son in the flesh, in our weakness, to be able to reunify us, to bring us back together. That is the power. We were separated by our self centered and selfish lifestyles. But the godly universe came and met us in fragile flesh, tempted in every way. <laughs> he even accepted crucifixion for our freedom. Now, the greatest miracle is that we can change, and I use this analogy because I need analogies. We can change from a creepy crawly, and you'll see where i gone this, that when we come into the cocoon in Christ, and we die to self, we can emerge as that winged butterfly who'll be able to take flight. Now, Saul met the risen savior on the road to Damascus. He fell at his feet. He was a murderer, but he was redeemed. But there was a problem see he tried to join the disciples but they were afraid of him they were not believing that he was really a disciple but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles Barnabas told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus Saul preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus who has or is going to vouch for you Who are you going to vouch for? You see, we need each other. Proverbs mentions that steel sharpens steel. And you know what the problem with sharpening steel? It's a lot of friction. There's a lot of sparks generated. There's heat. There's challenges. But friction is useful. In Ephesians, we're reminded, let no unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what is helpful for the building up the one in need and bringing grace to those who listen. We have a great power to change lives. You may never know how desperate and hurting someone may be. I have a friend from the gym. Who's, who's coming out this morning. He's a former SF guy, he's a leader, retired, and here's the neat thing. For some reason, we can spot each other a mile away. Well, after, you know, we saying hello and stuff, the following day, he was wearing that 20, a cap with a simple numbers on it, 22. I've mentioned to you before that we're losing approximately 22, both active and former, soldiers, sailors, airmen, marine, and Coast Guard members a day to suicide. Our strengths can sometimes be our worst vulnerability. You know, this rugged individualism. Hey, I made it through combat. I'm a Christian. I don't really need others. I can do this on my own. You know, we need each other. Because sometimes you can't get out of the pit. We need each other. In John 10.10, Jesus reminds us that we do have an adversary out there. He's coming to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus reminds us even more. He doesn't leave us hanging, but I have come so that you might have life and that abundantly. See, transformation, that changing, that ripped out heart of stone with heart of flesh continues. And we need others to knock away those rough edges to be the smooth stone that God desires and can use that is you and me. It has been said that everyone needs a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas. In a Paul, you've got a, a mentor. Someone you can, can look to. Maybe someone who's been there. Someone can help give you a little insight so you're not just struggling. A Timothy, why? Because no matter where you're at in your Christian walk, there's someone who's been in that walk less time than you have. And you actually, maybe you could be that person who's building them up. And lastly, we all need a Barnabas. We need someone who's going to encourage us when we when we're, Frankly, when we just don't feel like getting out of bed, frankly, when we've messed up for the hundredth time, we need someone to say, you can do it. You're not alone. You're not alone. Now, I'll tell you, I can be vulnerable today because one of my mentors, one of my mentors, PBJ, Pastor Bill Jeske, has exampled authentic, real, Christ-like Life where he can share his vulnerabilities because he knows what the King of Kings and Lord and Lord of Lords can do with a surrendered soul who's willing to follow him and a faithful father. I can so vividly recall my wife coming to me. Saying, Brian, I know you're trying so hard, but you need help. Now, I want to describe a little bit. You know, post-traumatic stress is not a disorder. I've shared that with you all. It's a natural reaction to tough things. And sometimes we can kind of get in our own loop. And in addition to post-traumatic stress and a little bit of TBI and long COVID, all this stuff... my thinking was just off and I constantly felt overwhelmed. Well, I went to professionals and there was this amazing psychiatrist who challenged and said, what is the underlying beliefs that are causing such responses? And this is the most amazing thing that I've heard from a quote, secular psychologist. And is that truth? Is that belief true? Now the Bible tells us something interesting. So she's sharing all this stuff and I'm, I'm hitting scriptures back. You know what? That's exactly like, you know, the Bible says as a man thinks so he is. And you know, oh, later well, on, you know, oh, wow. So you, I'm supposed to look at this and a in belief and line up, okay, what are some things that says that might be true? What are some evidence that says it might not be true? And going back to what you think it says is true, is that Correct looking upon it, or is there another, another, uh, another uh, way that you might be able to look at that because that might not be true? And then finally, stacking up the evidence, what is the true behind it? See, the Bible tells us to take every thought captive because our minds can tend to race. And what I appreciate about this wonderful woman is that she help me identify a problem and then address it. I could have never articulated, but what, what, I, what I saw was going on, and by the way, we have seven kids and they're very, very loud. That loud noises, friction, chaos of home. I see some moms shaking their heads. Guess what? My mind somehow would trace it back to combat. So what I was doing, I would either overcorrect or escape. Guess what? That's a natural behavior because in combat because you know what? It's a natural fight, flight, or freeze reaction. Well, once you address that and go, wait up, this is not a combat scenario. Kids will play. Kids will fight. All of a sudden, what is truly happening on there, all of a sudden you can take a second to pause and realize what the true situation is. I'm so thankful that my wife loved me enough to say, Brian, I know you're trying so hard, but you might need a little bit of help. I ask you today to make sure if you're trying really hard, sometimes you might need a little bit of help. And the pros, and it's called cognitive behavior therapy where you go for truths. There is, you know, it's not just talk, talk. But in cognitive behavior therapy, you, you can actually determine what is truth. The reason I'm so thankful for that, because guess what? I didn't realize by escaping from my kids, they were learning a bad pattern. And thankfully, I want to be a dad who is not perpetuating a bad pattern, but now having them run into my arms because they know dad doesn't just either blow up or escape, but he can love. And so I'm very thankful. Now, what I ask for you is Can we speak hard truth in the spirit to those closest to us? Now, additionally, Barnabas, we see past and present problems as opportunities for God. I'm reminded uh, that experiencing God's love drives us to remain obedient in the trials, it drives us to be obedient in the midst of terrible circumstances. An exhorter will help you praise the Lord in the storm. Second Corinthians 1 says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. Why? Who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. We can either be the boats tossed by every wave and every storm that will come in our lives or, or we can remember we as Christians who have had our lives transformed can now tap in to the one who stormed, who calmed the stormy seas the one who with his word took the, the seas down. Now, what I ask for you is not only can that calmness be for you, but I challenge you to not just picture yourself as someone who's bobbing in the boat, but in Christ, when we look to others and, and to Christ behind, beyond our circumstances, we can now, through the power of Christ, be the water that lifts the boats instead of just bobbing up and down. You can help change others to see that we have power and ability beyond our circumstances. Now, I know none of us would choose difficult circumstances, but we can choose to comfort others through those experiences. Hebrews three says, but exhort one another while it is today that none of you may be hardened from deceitfulness. Bill also provided me an acronym that I use all the time. It's called FAT, you need to be fat. And, and, and it's not, what he's talking about is you need to be faithful, available, teachable. And I love looking at, looking at Barnabas and looking at Saul who became Paul to realize that they were both able to exhort, able to admonish and teach, but also able to be taught. See, Barnabas was caught up with, with Peter a little bit when they were talking about, hey, they're acting one way in front of the Jewish, young Jewish believers, and acting another way towards the Gentile believers. And Paul loved them enough to challenge him. And Barnabas was not only teachable. He also challenged Paul later on with a guy named Johnny Mark. See, John Mark deserted him on one of their first mission trips. But Barnabas, because he he just saw in others what they could be, and he took this person, this deserter, and he loved on him and he built him up, and eventually, Johnny Mark was was useful. And the problem was they were going on another another mission trip, and Saul got really upset, and there was a huge contention. And Saul leaves, Paul leaves with Silas, and Barnabas goes off with John Mark. And God somehow used this division. There was a little bit of division and confrontation, but later on, one of the neatest things is we have Paul writing. And Paul says this. I love the fact that the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament can sit here and be humble and says, basically, I was wrong about Johnny Mark. Please send him for me because he is profitable in the gospel. I pray as Barnabas that we see others and are generous with our time, our talent, and our treasures. You can read up there, Barnabas was one of the first to, to simply pour out and, and, and give over, uh, sell land and give over to, to the young fledgling church. He later on, although he was doing well and, and the Christians, when he heard about a famine that was in Jerusalem, he sent money. He was part of the group that sent money to them. Now, I'm reminded of Miss Molly Waddell. And Miss Molly Woodell when we're, you know, this is 25, over almost 25 years ago was such a behind the scenes woman of God and had an impact in my life because some idiot decided he had a plan that he would ride his bike uh, through Alexandria, through DC to, to, to Maryland to go to seminary. And the second day I was doing this, I didn't say it was a smart plan. It was a plan though. And the second day I was doing this, I got run over, you know, in in the middle of the city. And that night. Ms. Molly Waddell said, my son in is coming over, and you, you have a car, and, I, and there was nothing. It, she just provided a car. And what I appreciate is that she just saw a need and just filled it. And her example has meant so much, and it's really hit me for, for years. It's 25 years now. We happened to give a car to another young couple that basically needed it. And what's awesome is that example kept, keeps building that this couple that we gave it to when another couple desperately needed a car, guess what? They gave a car to that person. And I'm just so grateful to see that when when we work out there, it's not, does not come back void. Her example and and, and just generosity to this fledging church was humbling. And, And I really use that term humbling. Her reward done in heaven. You know, you'll never see an offering plate passed in this church and you rarely hear any fiscal discussions. But I can faithfully report that every dollar of tithes and offerings is prayerfully and wisely spent to provide for these facilities, the ministries, and the staff that sacrifice and serve us faithfully, furthering the gospel. I pray you'd be encouraged to see others and be generous with your time and your talent, and your treasures. Just as God has been so faithful to us in all seasons. So what's the big idea? We were created for community. We need each other. It is how people will know that we are Christians. In John 17 it says, it's how they will see God walking, working through our lives. We need each other, period. I pray that you will pray about opportunities of how to tie into greater community. And greater community is how do you tie into a small group? And I I wanna thank you for everyone who filled out uh, some of the forums last week. Some of the suggestions were very helpful. Uh, in the back, we have more forms. If, forms. if you did not get a chance to fill those out, please. I would ask you to think about maybe starting a small group. It could be either a niche or it could be a location. Uh, I, I pray, think about it. It could be focus. Maybe you want to focus just on men. Maybe we want to focus on on, on young adults. Maybe you want to focus on not so young adults. Just just. Maybe there's a niche that you maybe feel God calling. Maybe you don't want to necessarily start one, but maybe you could host one. Maybe you have the gift of hosting. I would ask you to look for those opportunities. Now, the connection team is in the back, and I want to tell you where the Lord is calling me. The Lord's been calling me to help the small groups and to basically be a belly button. And eventually, I'll tell you, I, I'm basically to coach, if that makes sense, to help out and coach. Eventually, I see myself raising up some other individuals who can help, who can help coach, and I can help direct them as we, go, as we grow, even, you know, grow even more impactful at that very small group level. And the reason why it be, is because what I share all the time, what I pray those individuals who in the time of our talking, Most likely, we've lost another soldier, sailor, or marine. I pray that you would know this, that despite your circumstance, despite the season, the challenge you may be facing, you are never alone. You have such value to both the God of the universe and to us. We need you. Let us pray. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. Above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are called unto one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, And whatever you, whatever we do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that we would know that you have done all so that we can be called your sons and daughters. Dear God, I pray that just a little bit more an awareness that we were created for community. Dear Lord, I pray that we would be reminded that we need one another. And dear God, in your spirit, I ask that you would challenge us all to figure out where we're called, to encourage, to build up, to love, and to, if necessary, to challenge one another in the spirit and truth that is your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.